Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about nutrient deficiencies in various crops. As always, though, we'd be happy to take your phone call if you've got a question for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so nutrient deficiencies in crops. Just a few quick things that I, I want to start you off with today. If you see a nutrient deficiency in your crop, I, I'm not going to say you're too late, but you've already lost a whole bunch of yield. Most of the time, you're going to lose yield with a nutrient deficiency before you ever see the visual symptoms. It's got to be really bad if you see the visual symptoms. Okay, So the, the big thing that I, I want to encourage you with is even if you see a problem this year, I mean, hopefully you have a long farming career and there's always next year, hopefully, and we just have to all as farmers continue working on this. And, you know, one of the big challenges we have as farmers is every year the weather is different. Every year we have different diseases and insects show up. We have different nutrient release even out of our soil. The organic matter sometimes releases more nutrients and other years it releases less. So that can either really help you or it can get you in trouble. Okay, so that's that's the first thing. The next thing is this. If you're out in your crop, and I don't care what crop we're talking about, the nutrient deficiencies are somewhat the same. Now, if you want to go to the Ag PhD app that we have, so I'm just pulling that up right now, it's the Ag PhD Crop Nutrient Deficiencies app, then you can take a look at some of these different nutrients that are that are going to be in your crop and what that looks like if you see that problem in a variety of crops. So we have everything from alfalfa down to wheat, Uh, but we have some crops that aren't commonly planted in the Midwest, like pistachios, for example, and potatoes and plums. I mean, we got a whole bunch of different crops. So you can look at your crop and what a certain nutrient deficiency would look like. But there are a lot of commonalities across all crops. So here's what I want to talk to you about. The primary nutrients, N, P, and K, they are mobile in the plant. And what that means is the new growth that comes, it needs plant food and it needs it now. If for some reason the the roots of your crop are not feeding those new leaves, the new growth, if they're not feeding it properly, then what the plant can do is rob from the old leaves. So that's why you'll see nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium deficiencies always showing up on the lowest leaves first. That is completely the opposite of sulfur and the micronutrients, which are immobile in the plant. So there, if the new growth doesn't get fed by the roots and doesn't get enough nutrients in it, or and, and when I say fed by the roots, you also could do some foliar feeding, but you'd have to be on it like constantly. And there are some people that do that in the specialty crops, okay? But the point here is you're going to see the visual nutrient deficiencies on the upper leaves. So when it comes to sulfur and micronutrients, there will be yellowing in the upper leaves. It might turn a little white. You might see striping. And this is another really challenging thing with some of these micros. There are many of them. And a lot of the nutrient deficiencies look the same. 
So it's common for me to look at a zinc deficiency and I go, well, it might be a sulfur deficiency. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So we send it in for plant tissue analysis. And that's what I would encourage you to do is get to the bottom of it, figure out what's actually the problem rather than having somebody drive past a neighbor or an agronomist say, well, it looks like zinc deficiency to me. I'd say, okay, I'll put some stock into that, but it costs like twenty dollars to send a send a plant tissue test in, and then you're going to get your answer. So what I would do is I go out to the yellow plants in the field, and I pull leaves and I'd send them in for analysis, and then you're then you're going to know for sure. And then you work on fixing that problem in the future. And yes, you can fix it this year to some degree, but you're never going to recover that yield that you've lost. Now let's talk about the ones that are more that are easier to identify, N, P, and K. Here's typically what you're looking for. With nitrogen, it is going to be yellowing up the midrib of the lower leaves. So if you see yellowing up the midrib on the lower leaves, that's very likely to be a a nitrogen deficiency. Now, if you see yellowing on the outside edges of the lower leaves, that's potassium deficiency, most likely. Okay, so you got nitrogen on the inside, potassium on the outside of those lower leaves. In both cases, it's going to turn the plant yellow. Now with phosphorus, that's going to be more of a purpling on the lower leaves. Again, I mean, this is if it gets severe with N, P, or K deficiencies. But I can almost guarantee you, in almost any field you've got, late in the season, if you walk out enough, you're going to see some problem with one of these nutrients. you got to figure it out. Now, what ends up happening a lot of times, and this is what we commonly hear, and this is frustrating to me, because it'll be late in the season. Like right now, for example, we've not had a lot of rain here in a month, okay? So I can walk out into cornfields, and I'll walk out into a farmer's field with him, and he'll say, well, it looks like my corn's firing. I just, boy, if I'd had more rain, I'd have been in better shape. And I go, well, I'm not going to argue that if you would have had more rain, you'd have been in better shape. Yes. Okay, but let's look at why we're having a problem right now. And here's where I'm going with this. Very commonly, we're seeing potassium deficiency. Now, it could be nitrogen. But either way, the point is, it wasn't lack of moisture. It was lack of the nutrient. Now, you can argue, well, the nutrient gets in with moisture. And I agree with you 100%. So what we talk about all the time is if you're in an area that's prone to drought or dry stretches... If you own the ground, I'm really going to encourage you build that soil up so you have a little extra to go on, especially with a nutrient like potassium. It's not going anywhere in our heavy soils in the Midwest where we're cold and we don't typically have a lot of rain. It's not going anywhere. If I just get my soil test levels up to, let's say, 6% or 7% base saturation K instead of 2% base saturation K, now every drop, because there's still a little bit of moisture getting into the plant, now every drop of moisture has two or three times the concentration of potassium. Do you think that's a big deal in drought? Absolutely it is. Well, we're going to continue talking about nutrient deficiencies in crops right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit FarmShopMFG.com. I've got an axe to grind. I hate bromes. Brome grasses can be brutal on winter wheat yields. If you really want to give winter wheat a fighting chance, be brutal right back with Prepare Burn Down Herbicide. Adding Prepare to your glyphosate extends brome control for up to 21 days, giving young wheat the weed-free head start it needs to make something of itself. Because the cleaner the field, the higher the yield. Talk to your retailer or visit preparewinterwheat.com and always read and follow label directions. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're talking nutrient deficiencies in crops on today's show. If you've got any questions for us or if you'd like to talk about this topic with us, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. First on the show today, we've got Stephanie Zelenko. She is with AgriLiquid. Stephanie, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. All right, when we start talking nutrient deficiencies in various crops... Um, let's let let me narrow that spectrum for you a little bit. Let's start with corn because it seems like we get the most questions about corn. So, which nutrient, which one or two nutrients do you get the most questions about? Where guys say, "Ooh, I don't know. Do I have a zinc deficiency here? Do I have a sulfur deficiency? Potassium, nitrogen? What are the top one or two that you get questions about?" That's going to vary based upon time of year, but you know, early on, zinc, sulfur tend to be the two that kind of stick out in corn. Um, you know, just we just see those, you know, pale leaves early on. Yep. And guys tend to have a hard time differentiating between, you know, is it truly a zinc deficiency or is it just sulfur that's showing up or is it just early signs of nitrogen deficiency? So there's a, a little sure. bit of confusion early on in that season. Okay, so that's early. How about later in the year? Then what do you get questions about? Later in the year, um, potassium and nitrogen still confuses people. You know, there's pretty yep. distinct differences between those, but they do both start on that lower part of the plant, and it is yellowing. It's just where that yellowing occurs on the edges or down the center. So that one tends to, you know, continuously confuse people when they're just seeing that deficient plant out in the field. Okay, so you've mentioned four nutrients, zinc, sulfur, potassium, nitrogen. Now here's the million-dollar question. What do you usually recommend when a guy says, hey, I have this problem, my crop looks this way, I verified it with plant tissue analysis, I know I have a problem, are you going to throw more out there? And if so, are you going to do it foliar or are you going to put it on the soil? Again, it depends upon time of the year and what that economic situation is. If we're having a great year and we think it's going to be yield limiting, I'm absolutely going to throw something out. You know, something like potassium works very well foliar. It can also go out through a Y-drop system or a 
pivot if you have that option. So potassium is very easy to get in. Nitrogen, another one that is a really easy solution. You know that you're going to lose yield if you're starting to see nitrogen deficiency early in the season. So I'm going to take advantage of those opportunities as soon as I can by doing um, either a full layer or another nitrogen application. All right. So let's go to the zinc and the sulfur. Those are the tougher ones because a lot of guys will put zinc on at planting time. They'll put sulfur on either in the fall or in the spring. And then very often after that, there's nothing else happening with either zinc or sulfur. So you mentioned how easy potassium is to get into the plant foliar. How do you feel about zinc and sulfur? What's the best way to put those on, in your opinion? So zinc, obviously, I'm going to want in furrow at planting. That's the best time. If we're starting to see those deficiencies and they persist throughout the year, a lot of times we'll see zinc deficiency early, and it tends to go away as that plant grows. But if you're continuing to see it long term, uh, then, yeah, foliar application of Micro 500 or a straight zinc product you know, can be beneficial. You don't see that quite as common as you do some of those other nutrients where you can, you know, see that color change and know that you're having an effect on it. Sulfur, uh, another one kind of that goes along the same way as nitrogen, uh, works really well in season. So Y-drop is a great way to go ahead and put some additional sulfur out there. Foliar, it's a little bit tougher because it has that uh, potential to burn and cause injury to the crop. And so you have to use a little bit more caution there, but you can absolutely go ahead and soil apply that or through a pivot and get that out there. All right. Any last comments you got for us today in terms of nutrient deficiencies in crops? Uh, not anything specific. It's just, you know, one of those things that you have to watch for and pay attention early on so you don't, you know, limit your yield later on in the season. There's ways that you can correct it and make up for some of those losses if you see something going on. Yep, absolutely. And like we were talking about earlier in the show, there's always next year. At least let's hope there's always next year. So we got to continue <laughs> exactly. improving and tweaking our fertility program to make things better. Well, we've been talking to Stephanie Zelenko with AgriLiquid. Stephanie, thanks for the time today. You're welcome. Have a good day. Right next on the show, we got our good friend Bo Shropshire. He is a consultant out in California. Bo, how are you doing today? Doing nice. It's uh, it's we're kind of cooling off out here, Brian. It's uh, it's uh, only going to be 109 today. It's pretty nice. Boy, I don't, I don't know. I got to bring out the coats for that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so Bo, we were just talking a little about corn, especially, but out in your area and with the crops you're working with, and I realize it's a variety of crops. We're talking nutrient deficiencies today in various crops. So maybe give us something a little out of the ordinary, if you would, for a crop and a certain nutrient deficiency that you commonly work with. Well, one of the, I mean, we, we work with, uh, you know, quite a bit of citrus lemons and those kinds of things. Um, you know, those are, those are crops that you really need to pay attention to. You can, you know, a lot of times with some, especially with some of the minor elements, like you're talking about with herbs, you know, zinc and, and those kinds of things, you can kind of cheat the crop maybe one year, but you can't cheat it two or three years in a row. So you really have, especially permanent crops, you really have to pay attention to those. But I think probably uh, some of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that we fight is paying attention to potassium. And it really doesn't matter what crop we're talking about, whether it's sweet corn, whether it's uh, alfalfa, whether it's Bermuda grass that we're growing for seed, or whether we've got okra, or whether we've got uh, cauliflower, broccoli, those kinds of things. So, you know, there's potassium's an important deal. The other thing that we have to pay attention to, Brian, is our manganese. Uh, manganese levels in leaves sometimes, sometimes, especially in citrus, can be a real problem because when you, with the, with the high percentage of sodium that we deal with, 
Um, and unfortunately not being able to build a lot of potassium in our soils unless the guy can afford some compost. You know, when you get those two on a base saturation above 10%, it will block out your manganese. You know, it doesn't matter how much you got. So we have to pay attention to that sometimes too as well with tissue tests. So, you know, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's certainly a challenge with uh, all the different crops that we grow. Okay, you mentioned potassium levels and building those with something like compost, but talk to us about manganese. When you're seeing these manganese deficiencies show up, especially in something like citrus, how do you put it on? Okay, the best way for us to get it out, I mean, obviously if you can get some on uh, dry, say, manganese sulfate, and again, it's like like you said, plan for next year, that's one thing. The other thing is is, is using some... Uh, some EDTA manganese uh, foliars. Now I can use zinc, uh, manganese sulfate as a foliar on citrus because we're using so much water. When we, when we go out and spray citrus, you know, we're putting on two to 400 gallons an acre of water and we may have seven or eight items in the tank and we may have an insecticide in there for thrips. Uh, you know, we may have some additional sulfur in there for mites. And those kinds of things. So, you know, you're, if you're putting out that kind of volume of water, you don't worry about leaf burn as much as, as you would on other crops. But, but that's kind of what I do is, is using, you know, the EDTA manganese, uh, products, uh, you know, or, um, just make sure that I'm putting on lots and lots of water if I'm using just straight manganese sulfate powder. Okay, I want to come back to, you You talked about potassium. Now, growing up on the farm, I assume just about everybody out there has heard NPK eight gazillion times, and, I mean, it should be in our brains that, look, we need potassium. Why are are there still so many potassium deficiencies in your area? Is it weather? Is it soil? I mean, is it just the usage for the trees? What's going on? It's, it's primarily usage, Brian. A lot of people, they look at, well, it, de- it depends on, on who you're using for a soil test. A lot, of, a lot of soil tests will go out there and, say, and they'll look at the, at the potassium you have, and they say, oh, mo- you just have awesome potassium levels. Yep. Yeah, a lot of these soils have a lot of potassium in them. Is it available to the plant? No. And so, you know, and plus the fact that we're, you know, our pH is out here, I don't have anything that's less than 7.8, and a lot of stuff that's up to 8.4. So you're, it's going to be virtually impossible, say, with, with muriate of potash or sulfate of potash to build those levels in high pH soils unless you're using compost or manures. Now, when you can use compost and manures, you can build those levels over time, but that just depends on the budget, you know, and, and the crop rotation. So it's... But, you know, the biggest thing is a lot of guys have just gone over there. Well, my dad never put that on. <laughs> you, know? I, you know, I've never heard that before, Bo. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never heard that. I mean, you, you know, luckily, Brian, you grew up with a dad that said, okay, we're going to take care of our soil. Yep, I agree. Hey, Bo, we got to run, but thanks a lot for the time. That's Bill Shropshire, consultant out in California. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Your land is a legacy. A challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. 
See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. I've got an axe to grind. I hate bromes. Brome grasses can be brutal on winter wheat yields. If you really want to give winter wheat a fighting chance, be brutal right back with Prepare Burn Down Herbicide. Adding Prepare to your glyphosate extends brome control for up to 21 days, giving young wheat the weed-free head start it needs to make something of itself. Because the cleaner the field, the higher the yield. Talk to your retailer or visit preparewinterwheat.com and always read and follow label directions. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio today. We're talking about nutrient deficiencies in various crops, and hopefully you're catching these before they blow up and show themselves on the plant. But, of course, this time of year we are starting to see some of those things show up on plants. We're in a high-demand time for nutrients, and we've been moisture-stressed on our farm a little bit. Not as bad as some areas, for sure, and in those areas we see the nutrient deficiencies showing up a little bit worse got Emerson Nafziger with us right now at the University of Illinois. Emerson, thanks for joining us. Sure. All right. Well, Illinois never has any stress. You probably never see those problems over there. I'm, being, I'm kidding, of course. Of course you have stress in Illinois. Talk to us about nutrient deficiencies that, that you're commonly seeing in the crops you're working with. Well, I think they're in our minds a little bit more than they're in the fields a lot of times. Uh, and you mentioned earlier dry soils. That's a primary cause of nutrient deficiencies. The frustrating thing with it coming from dry soils is you can't just flip a switch and fix it. Um, A lot of times this is restricted root growth, and those nutrients that have to get to the the roots with uh, the water that's coming into the roots, uh, they're the ones that are particularly 
vulnerable to showing up as a deficiency when the soil has plenty. It's just that it can't get to the roots. Um, I suppose that, you know, our crop this year, we've had dry weather and then we had a real change in fortunes and it's been normal to above normal uh, rainfall in the last uh, 10 days. And today it's nice and sunny and fluffy clouds and 75 <laughs> degrees. We'd actually, I'm just writing an article saying we'd be happier, with, a little happier if it was 10 degrees warmer than that in terms of crop growth. But um, it's been a, one of the reasons I mentioned this is our our canopy of the corn crop has just turned really dark green. And at this time of year, that's always just invaluable to us. Um, most of the nutrient deficiencies we tend to see in corn, a nitrogen deficiency is certainly the most common. And this would almost all the time uh, be in low spots in the field where water stood at some point, and the roots are sort of compromised because of that. We see things in passing that might look like deficiencies. We saw a little potassium deficiency with the dry weather earlier this year. And again, those came uh, in fields that didn't have uh, low soil test potassium, so you pretty much have to wait those out, and the good news is that once root growth is back to normal and function is back to normal, those tend to go away pretty quickly. Talking with Emerson Nafziger with the University of Illinois. And Emerson, I, I, I love several of the comments you made here that, you know what, you may have plenty in your soil and you're just not getting it into the plant. And rather than throwing money at a problem, oh boy, I better foliar feed a whole bunch or I better throw tons and tons of fertilizer out there this fall by understanding what's going on and realizing, you know what, we've got restricted root growth. And and that's not surprising coming out of 2018 and 2019 with some of the field conditions that we had. We we saw a lot of compaction in the last couple of years, and that's something if you didn't get a chance to address that on the farm, it, it could definitely be holding you back this year. Well, that's right. Um, of course, I tell people we have compaction every year. Sometimes, sometimes we get punished for it, and sometimes we don't. Um, our soils tend to be pretty forgiving and you know we can it's so common to to plant crops uh in the spring before the soils are really dry enough in fact you could probably make a case that that they never get dry enough to to plant without compaction and that certainly is the case and we have heavy equipment so it's just a sort of a sign of the times and we can still get good yields and I credit that to doing good management with uh, really good uh, hybrids and varieties and uh, and that's what keeps the ball rolling. Absolutely. Again, we've been talking with Emerson Nuffsinger with the University of Illinois and Emerson, we could talk all day. We'd love to have you on another time. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for sharing a little bit. Sure. All right, uh, let's head back to the phone. Let's get Kyle on with us right now down in Arkansas. Kyle, how are you today? Doing good, doing good. I had a question about uh, a microbiological biological product that I've seen some ads on that where they, it's called Pivot Bio Proven. That yep. pulls it's, uh, for corn. You, could you expound on that a little bit? Well, let's put it this way. There are a lot of microbials that different companies are working with out there, and we talk 
often about them here on the show. In terms of this uh, prove N, we haven't proven, we haven't tested that in our research yet. Uh, We have a number of farmers we work with who are testing that this year. We have a number of other products that people are testing this year. I was talking about this, uh, let's see, a week or two ago on the show where just a a few years ago, maybe even a couple years ago, something like that, they discovered down in South America some it almost looked like a clear gel coming out of some bracelets and people are like, what the heck is that? And so researchers looked at it and they found, you know what, these plants are producing something that is leading to more bacteria in the soil that are creating nitrogen. And so there are some products out there now that have extracts of that trying to replicate the, the the bacteria and replicate the nitrogen production that's happening in that crop. So I can't tell you, yep, Proven is absolutely a great product or not a great product. I don't really know at this point. I just know that there are a bunch of things that are in testing right now and are starting to get out there. And we just encourage people, try some stuff. But when you try it, please don't do the whole farm. Try it on a smaller yeah. scale so you don't go broke and then actually run tests. And let me just tell you too, and for all our listeners, let me say this. We've run tests on our farm for years. And so often, and I'm not going to, I understand the way farming works. Okay. So I've been on the farm my entire life. When it's go time, especially in the Northern part of the United States, we have sometimes hours to get things done. And so everybody gets in a rush and they go, well, I don't have time to wait for the grain card. I don't have time to do this or that. It's like, look, we've been waiting for this data all year. Please take the data in the fall, take the extra few minutes and get it done because otherwise then you lose a whole year's worth of data. And most people don't trust what they see on ads. They don't trust what other farmers are telling them. They trust most what happens on their farm. So that's why we always encourage people, try some things out on your farm. So like us, for example, we're trying N-Hydro this year. That's uh, a much cheaper option compared to Proven. And that is supposed to help with nitrogen fixation also. So we're going to see how that turns out. And we got a few other things that we're working on as well. So sorry, I don't have any great answers for you. But the point is just that the plant will have some more nitrogen. Darren, do you have more to add? Well, just to reiterate your point, Brian walk before you run with a lot of these things. I mean, they don't give them away for free, so you don't necessarily want to put them on a whole bunch of acres and risk a bunch of dollars. Then again, even if they did give them away for free, you still want to limit your risk because what if something doesn't work out for you or with your system and what you're doing? And hurts yield. Yep. Right. 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 All right. But well, it does. New technology is looking promising, though. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there, yep, there are a lot of things that look promising. And yeah. now it's just a question of, can we prove that out on a big scale? And also, yeah. what are the conditions that would make it more likely to pay? Because let's face it, on the farm, I was just talking to a lady who owns some land right next to ours yesterday about this. And she's like, oh, so it sounds like you kind of have to gamble every year as a farmer. And I go, yes, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's as bad as going to Vegas or anything, but there's so much risk in farming all the time. And what we try to do as agronomists is help farmers figure out, okay, what where, where are the best odds for something to pay and where are the worst odds for something to pay? So whether it's fungicide or insecticide or herbicide, or like in this case, some of these new biologicals, and we just don't have the answers yet because we don't have it out on a big enough scale and haven't been able to run enough tests. But yes, we do think that people should be trying some of these different products. Just like I say, don't go crazy. 
Right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, we're talking about nutrient deficiencies today, and uh, Emerson Nafziger brought up some really good points there. And also, you know, just back to Kyle's question too, getting some of those nutrients available late season is really important. And we've seen, well, take the world record corn grower, David Hewlett. He talks about test weight in his corn, that he wants to have good test weight. He wants to make sure his nutrient levels are high through the end of the season. And, yeah, I'm, I'm sure hoping that there's products like we were talking about here, biological-type things that don't cost a whole bunch of money that help our crop access the nutrients they need even late in the season. We'll take more of your calls and questions right after this at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact-Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact-Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact-Z is a trademark owned by AMVAC Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact-Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Endzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. Hot spots and moisture in your bin can cost you thousands in lost revenue. The Endzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans exactly when you want them to, naturally bringing your grain to ideal temperature and humidity. Master bin management with the Endzone. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. More choices, more money. With Bayer Plus Rewards, you choose from our broad portfolio of high-performance products. Earn more money on the eligible products that are right for your farm. And use our new portal to see your purchases, track your rewards, and decide how you want to use them. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to sign in and start earning. That's the advantage of more control in your hands. That's the plus. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Hey Adam, new drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree! In the power lines! Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser.
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. Today on the show we're talking a little about nutrient deficiencies in various crops and we got Dave calling in next from Indiana. Hey Dave, how's it going today? It's great. Beautiful day. Had plenty of rain in the last oh four weeks. Nice. Crops are looking real good. Uh, Excellent. Mine isn't necessarily a deficiency problem. I've done tissue testing, fall tests over two years, done deficiency test or Tissue um, testing for the uh, last five years. Okay. And uh, pretty well most of the way through the season. Yep. That thing I noticed this year, particularly in the soybeans, they're off the chart high in nitrogen. Okay. Um, that I've never seen before. We normally raise very good beans, I mean, and very good corn. But uh, uh, this is just, uh, I mean, we're not, in the, we had one dry spell from like July 1st to the 12th, and it came down in the sufficient area. Yep. And since then, it's been high to super high. Yeah. The nitrogen. Okay. Why? All right. Well, for, yeah, first of all, there's no lab out there that has the perfect formula with what's sufficient, what's excessive, what's deficient. In other words, if there's a certain target, let's say you're going for 100 bushel beans. Okay, do I have enough for 100 bushel beans? There's no lab in the world that can tell you that. And that's the frustrating thing for me as a farmer and for me as an agronomist. So that's the first thing I want to say. Now, if we're talking about, hey, I've got past records and my levels this year are much higher than the past records, that most likely tells me one of three things. Number one, and this I believe is the most likely, we had a very hot June and July and there was more carrier or more N mineralization out of the organic matter than normal, both for your corn for your, and for your soybeans, but really for any crop, more nitrogen came available in the soil. That's the number one answer that I would probably give you. Number two would be maybe for whatever reason, your inoculant and your rhizobia bacteria that have been in the soil are doing a better job producing more nitrogen. And they can do that if they have plenty of air, they have plenty of heat, they have uh, a relatively neutral soil pH, and I mean everything is good, then you're, you're going to get more nitrogen out of them. So that's number two. And number three, Darren and I were talking about this during the break because we saw your question come up. Darren goes, well, maybe somebody overapplied nitrogen in an area in a field. That occasionally does happen. So I at least want to throw that out that, I mean, those are three of the most common reasons why we would see higher nitrogen levels. Okay. One thing I hadn't told you yet, in the oh, late September of 18, we applied two ton of chicken litter, <laughs> uh, composted okay. chicken litter. Yep. And... Uh, Matter of fact, I called you at that time, I think, and I asked you what you thought would be the slowest one to break down of the nutrients type thing. But anyhow, I really, did, I kind of expected to see that last year more than <laughs> this year. Yep. But I think it's seeing it more this year, I guess. I agree. It probably is. And it may be because last year was cold and wet and, and you know, we just didn't have the conditions that were right to break that down very well. So that kind of goes back to my 
you applied more nitrogen there. Yeah, it wasn't commercial nitrogen, but it was the litter. And, you know, when you start talking about some of these sources like litter and compost that do take time to come available for your crop, yeah, it very often is two or three years later and you see an advantage. One of the things, too, and I'll just throw this out there, is... I, it, it's common for people to find out where grandpa applied manure. You can see the higher P and K levels from sometimes 30, 40, 50 years ago. So there are a lot of these nutrients. It just takes time. Now, certainly not the nitrogen, but at least the P and the K, they stay in the soil. They, they release slowly over time, and we have some of that. So anyway, uh, thanks a lot for the call, Dave. Hope that kind of answers your question. Thank you very much. You bet. Let's head back to the phone lines, get Jim Camberato with us right now with Purdue in Indiana. Of course, we're just taking an Indiana question here, as luck would have it. Jim, all right, so we, we got the, the good side of manure and compost of, hey, there's there's maybe more nutrients coming available here than we were counting on. Do you see the opposite side of that sometimes, too, where we were counting on too much out of the manure or compost and just aren't getting it in the first year? Yeah, well, d- definitely with uh, manure that's put out in our environment in August or even through uh, September, October, um, and if we have a wet winter and spring, we can lose uh, primarily the nitrogen from that manure, and people are surprised when they have to supplement in the spring or side dress uh, with additional nitrogen because they didn't realize that they could lose that nitrogen pretty easily over the winter. So that that's one one thing that I, I see uh, periodically that's concerning because there's a lot of investment in applying that manure. And um, sometimes if you don't react fast enough in the spring to replace the nitrogen, you can harm your yield potential. You know, one thing I was thinking about, too, coming into today, talking about nutrient deficiencies, is just simply the ag economy. And in a lot of areas uh, with commodity prices going down, it just hasn't been great. And I know talking to, to farmers over the last couple of years, there have certainly been some guys cutting back on P and K. I would say micronutrients have gotten cut back a lot. Do you see any nutrients that we're going to eventually have to pay the piper on here, Jim? That you know, here's one that guys probably shouldn't have been cutting back in the first place, and and now uh, we're going to have some problems. Yeah, I think um, you know we need to keep up with crop removal and maintain reasonable soil test levels. And if um, you know, pretty pretty rapidly. Over time, you can deplete the soil if you're not returning what the the crop is removing, and um, you know there's no way around that. You're removing the grain or the the forage, and it contains nutrients, and you can count on it uh, being removed. Uh, most of our soils, especially in eastern Corn Belt, don't have a lot of primary minerals that are weathering and releasing those nutrients to replace what the crops removed. So we really have to rely on replenishing the soil with fertilizer. How about flipping the the table there, Jim? What about excess residue? I know we've had a number of questions over the years, too, with growers saying, man, I got 280 bushel corn. I was expecting 240, and I got so much plant residue out in the fields. And we've got some calls this year where guys said, man, I've got 
taller corn than I've ever had before. Do you see a lot of nitrogen tie-up with that? Do you see the the excess of residue being a big problem too? Um, well, it, yeah, it depends on the the nature of the residue and the nitrogen concentration. But typically with corn, if you've used a reasonable nitrogen rate the season before, uh, the residue is going to immobilize nitrogen early in the season. Um, and it can tie up quite a bit of nitrogen. Uh, we've done a lot of work with starter fertilizer and continuous corn and, and found that rates as high as 50 pounds of N per acre as a two-by-two starter are helpful in overcoming that early season immobilization. Um, so, yes, that can be a problem. Uh, we think it might also affect sulfur and phosphorus availability early in the season, but really not too many people have looked at that. But it is a concern because um, those nutrients need to be um, microbially released from those residues in the organisms uh, that are doing that may take the available phosphorus and sulfur from the soil and immobilize it for a short period of time as well as nitrogen. You know, that's a great point. Uh, we're talking with Jim Camberato with Purdue, uh, to, that it's not just, hey, I need to put more pounds out there. It's let's look at what's going on with the soil. Let's look at the beneficial microbes that are in that soil, and they've got to do their job. We've got to feed them as well. So, yeah, lots of things to think about when it comes to plant nutrition for sure. Jim, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today, and uh, good luck here the rest of the season. Sure thing. Have a great day. You bet. You as well. Talking about nutrient deficiencies on the show today and also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge, and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New Farm and Panther SC, here to help. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. More choices, more money. With Bayer Plus Rewards, you choose from our broad portfolio of high-performance products. 
Earn more money on the eligible products that are right for your farm. And use our new portal to see your purchases, track your rewards, and decide how you want to use them. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to sign in and start earning. That's the advantage of more control in your hands. That's the plus. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rose? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo. And it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Back. Welcome back. You're listening. My sister Janelle is the producer here of our show. Uh, again, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio with Brian and Darren Hefty. And so Janelle is in charge of things here, and she can just hit mute on us whenever she wants at random times just to have fun. So I started talking, and I'm muted, and I look through the glass, and she's just smiling back at me. We have lights in, right in it front was of her, us, Darren. It was her birthday this week, so maybe maybe off. she's all excited about that, that she's still happy uh, riding a high after cake or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, she's having a good time today, and so are we. We were talking about nutrient deficiencies and crops, but let's get back Back to the phone lines. We've got John with us in southeast Minnesota. John, how are you? Hey, very good. Thanks for taking my call. I've got to sidetrack a little bit of the nutrient. I've got a planter question. Absolutely. Um, I've got I've got a good planter. It's just an old white, but it's basically the old manual trash whippers you set by hand. And, um, I don't have down pressure springs. I'm in conventional tillage. And I got a neighbor who just bought a new planter with all the whistles and bells, all the down pressure on the trash whippers, on the row units, um, the electric electric row units, uh, variable rate, everything you could get in the planter he's got. And it was pretty impressive. He showed me a graph on one of the screens on his down pressure. When he did one of his own fields, he could actually track where the fertilizer spreader had went in, and you could see... Oh, yeah. On his monitor, it's just amazing. So my yep. question is, I would kind of like him to plant my corn. Yep. Uh, so the 20 bucks an acre he's going to charge, which I think is very reasonable. That is. So I need like seven bushel of $3 corn to pay for it. Is that difference in... Am I going to gain that much with that new technology? Well, keep in mind, you probably don't have to have quite that much because you got to figure a little bit of cost for your own stuff. I mean, fuel and time and right. those kind of yeah. things. Um, is it worth something? Yes. And Darren and I have debated a lot about this. How much is it actually worth? Now, I, I will say all the bells and whistles are great, but you still have to be checking. You still have to operate it well. For example, this year, here's one of the things that happened on our farm. We had a dry spring. And 
if we planted down to moisture, and you said conventional till, we did a lot of conventional till this year just because the way things worked out and we'd had a wet year last year. We had to put on a whole bunch of compost and manure. But the point is this, we had dry topsoil in the top couple inches. Where we set the planter down a little deeper and went to two and a half, we had a much better stand than when we were at two. Now, there's no planter in the world that's going to do that for you. You've got to set that. So my point is, even with all that fancy stuff, you still want to have a good operator and maybe your neighbor's a great operator. The other thing that I'll tell you is, this year for the first time, we had our farm manager, we just told him, look, you're not going to be the one running the planter. What we want you to do is go behind the planter and make sure everything's good. And so if you're off the planter, you could do the same thing. You could follow behind the guy and say, oh, I don't like this, or hey, set it a little deeper or whatever, and it'd be a lot less stress on you, but then you would most likely be able to get a better job done in the end. So, you know, 20 bucks is, that's very reasonable. So the only concern I would have, or I'd say the biggest concern that I would have is, can he be there timely? That was what our dad always talked to us about. Like, you know, when he, he would just yep. say, when I was a smaller farmer and a young farmer, I had to hire some things done and I had a little custom stuff done. But my problem was just when they were there. If they were there on time, it was great. If they weren't on time, well, then I should have had my own equipment. Now, if you don't sell off your planter, worst case scenario, the guy gets in a bind, something breaks down, you go, oh, fine, I'll just plant with my own planter. So I'd have the backup plan ready to I go. I just think it'd saying. be fun just to plant on the same day. You start on one end of the field and he starts on the other and let's just see who yields yep. more. I'd plant just a little bit myself just to prove it to myself, but that $20 sounds like a pretty decent deal to me. Yeah, and he's a very good operator, but timeliness is my biggest factor because <laughs> in southeast yep. Minnesota here, if you don't get that little bitty window, you could be 10 days later. Oh, you don't have to tell me. We, we deal with a lot of that same stuff here in South Dakota. So, All right. Well, good luck to you, John. Hopefully that all works out. You bet. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thank you. All right, uh, Darren. Any last comments on the nutrient deficiencies? Anything else you want to talk about? I think this is this is why we talk about a good soil sampling program. If you see spots in your field, for sure sample those spots with soil samples too. We we so often have growers that say, "Well, I'm going to pull a plant tissue sample in those spots," and I think that's great. But I think there's a really good point made uh, when we were talking to Emerson Nofziger, who said. Yes, you may not have it in the plant tissue, but you may have it in the soil. There may be compaction, there may be poor root growth, there may be root feeding, there may be, you know, all these things, dry soils even, that just aren't letting those nutrients get into the plant. So I think having that soil sample and a plant tissue sample will tell you what's going on in the whole picture. Do I even have it out there? And is there something else that's holding me back? And then do a little bit of digging in your field too to try and uncover what's going on here. Is the soil just perfect? My roots are perfect, moisture conditions are perfect, and I just don't have the nutrient or what's going on. You're going to start learning a lot by just doing a little bit of digging. Yep, absolutely. But we really do encourage you, soil test, tissue test, and make improvements as time goes on. Try some things. Try it on a smaller scale. But, boy, I mean, the nutrient thing, it, that is what can make or break you, and it's also what you probably spend the most on on your farm. It's probably the number one input cost you have. It is for a lot of farmers. So you got to think about, hey, as nutrients, I should say, as yields go up, nutrient needs are going to go up too. So we're talking today, but let's think about 10 years from now. What's your yield goal 10 years from now? 
I'm going to assume it's going to be a lot higher than today. Well, that means you need a lot more fertility. Is it going to take any more herbicide to kill weeds 10 years from now? From now? I seriously doubt it. How about fungicide? No. Insecticide? No. Um, it, you know, even in terms of land, I mean, the land's the same. But the one thing that's going to be different is if you have higher yields, you know darn well you need more nutrients. So that's why we all have to get smarter about this because it's a big deal already for us. But just imagine for our kids and grandkids how big a thing that's going to be. So the more we figure these things out and work on this and teach the younger people about that, the better off the next generations are going to be. Because, yes, well, our dads and grandpas didn't have to spend a what I would call a ridiculous amount on nutrients. Um, many years, I feel it's a ridiculous amount when I'm writing the check and it's going to get even more crazy as we go forward. So we got to learn how to best invest those dollars if we want to be successful on the farm. Well, we got just a little bit of time left, but there is enough time to take a couple questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. First one comes from Marty in North Carolina and he said, I rented a new piece of ground that I intended to grow silage corn on this year. Unfortunately for me, that field sat idle in 2019 and as a consequence became full of pigweed, both water hemp and palmer. And I made two passes with a disc across it, tilled a bunch of them under, and then I put on a huge mix of herbicide, Gramoxone, Sharpen, Princep, Dual, and Callisto, and applied that a week before I planted. To no avail, I still have a tremendous pigweed break. I'm wondering, did I bury the seed, the pigweed seed too deep so the chemical couldn't get it where it was coming up? Uh, did it just have, there's there just so much seed so that much it's seed. just going to keep coming? And I'm wondering if I'm planting silage corn in that field again next year, what would you run for a herbicide program <laughs> on year two of this battle? Okay, let's start with this. Whenever we have prevent plant that's or, or unplanted or fallow, whatever, that's the thing that we hate the most. Those weeds that went to seed, a lot of times we have found in our experience it takes five years to clean it up. So you're going to have extra herbicide costs for five years in a row, and it stinks. Um, otherwise, if you don't have the extra herbicide cost, you're going to have lost yield because there's so, many, so darn many weeds out there. So in terms of burn down, sure, Gramoxone is fine. But do you need Gramoxone plus Sharpen? Just for burn down, probably not. I mean, Sharpen's a really good burn down herbicide. So what I'm looking at, yeah, I'm probably going to go Sharpen, and I'm probably going to go. I, I mean, Dual's fine. It's just there are other herbicides like let's say uh, Harness or Surpass. Their Cetaclor uh, that's going to be better on those pigweed species. So I would probably look at that rather than dual, but it's not a big deal. In terms of that Callisto, you could put some down, but I'd probably save it for post-emerge. So I'm running a hard rate of sharpen. I, I might do something like verdict. So it gets me a lot of herbicide, uh, a, a lot of herbicide down with the sharpen for a cheaper price but then i'm going to come early post with more group 15 then i'm going to go callisto i'm probably going to throw a little atrazine with it and what you could do too if you wanted to spray let's say status early do some hppd late i mean you've got plenty of options there so i'd try to get three passes on those weeds get a pre get an early post then get a later post right before canopy and you should be in fairly decent shape and it doesn't cost that much Thanks for the question, Marty. Really appreciate it. And thanks to you for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.